Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome, everybody, to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 136. I am your host, Klaus Nightbringer. Joining me, we have Talas and we have Sarah. And I think uh, uh, Talas is going to throw up a little bit from Sarah. Um, if you joined us in the pre-show, we're not going to repeat all of it, but it, it, that's why you need to come join us live at twitch.tv slash Phoenix Down Radio, okay? Okay. <laughs> nothing good comes of it and you should still totally be here because it's fun i don't know what you're talking about it looks like a workable recipe with flavor profiles that actually line up <laughs> welcome to 2021 brought to you by mountain dew gamer ramen we are nine days into it and i'm already thrown up in my mouth from something that sarah showed me <laughs> We're off to a rocking start here at Phoenix Sound Radio. Yeah. Seriously, we're... though, it has been weeks since we have gotten together for a show. Welcome to 2021, y'all. We we have we a... are just past the seven day return policy on it. <laughs> but uh, eh, at least it's not 2020, bro. That's a low bar. <laughs> yeah. That's true, but it it is what it is. Uh, how have you guys been? Did you have a good holiday? Yes. It was called Friday. That was all it was. The time off was really nice. I'll say I, I had a really good time up north with family. We exchanged Ooh. alcohol. Ooh. Because that, that's the gift that, 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 that keeps on... I don't know. It doesn't keep on giving, but it's... Fermenting. Keeps you know, it, it doesn't go oh. bad necessarily. Yeah, I got I got a couple types of whiskey. Always good. <sighs> but yeah, that, so that was fun and we, we got to hang out and got to drive my new car. Kind of nice. It I had to drive in a blizzard to get up there, but um Dude, sweet. <laughs> it, it it wasn't bad. I, I it, it just took a little longer. That's all. But uh, no, that was good. My New Year's sucked. I had to work because well, that's like our busiest time. That's our Black Friday. So, and there were way too many people there. But we'll get into that in another another. That that's a whole another discussion. That's a different rant. <laughs> exactly. Um. Aside from that. Uh, yeah, we're we're back at it, and uh, hopefully, uh, twenty twenty one will bring us some amazing things. The only sad piece of news that I have was otherwise was Twitch Sings is no more. Oh, I'm actually yeah. very sad about that. I mean, I understand DMCA as evil as it is is something that is they need to be worried about, but um, it was such a fun game. I mean. We can't go to bars and sing karaoke, so why not go online and 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 and, and sing and drink and you know broadcast it I mean, to the like world? A lot of the stakeholders would be fine with stuff not being able to be used for. Well, it's complicated and gets to me ranting about copyright law. So let's get into it. We we only have about an hour and a half, Sarah. So no. All right, that'll be enough for the preamble. Yeah, that's exactly. We'll have to start a whole new podcast for that. Sarah's uh, takes uh, hot takes on uh, on copyright law. Our new plan for a second show for all three of us, where the two of us 
will pick a topic and that the other person really, really hates. And the third person takes shots every 10 minutes and bitches about whatever topic it is. And the other two just rapid fire questions at them. Oh, so basically hey, hey, Final Fantasy 7 for you? Thank you gift from one of my coworkers. I'm ready. Like I said, I, I, got, I got, like I said, two kinds of whiskey for Christmas. So, oh my God, <laughs> no. we, we, we might get through episode three. I was going to say we would get through three episodes because whoever didn't do episodes one and two would make episode three happen. And then <laughs> we would probably just all go to jail or the hospital. One of the two. <laughs> Why not both? Yeah, I sounds mean, good. Like it might be the kind where like send you to the hospital, but there's an officer waiting by your bed. And as soon as you're able to be discharged, yeah, you're gone. That sounds likely. Dude, this hospital sucks. <laughs> all right. So do we have any more show news or are we just all going to talk about how much we uh, want to get drunk right now? Well, I, I do have a cider, so. Excellent. Um, um, anything Sarah, else? What have you been up to for the last three weeks? Uh, I didn't work too much, and that was nice. I had some vacation time to burn. Uh, I had a breakdown in the kitchen at one point, and one of my housemates hugged me, so that was nice. The world is complicated right now, and it kind of sucks. True. And then we had what happened this week happen. Yep. Yeah. I don't know how much we want to get into it, but holy shit. I mean, we got people storming the Capitol. When they're trying to so for, certify the results of the election. <laughs> so for everybody that like is kind of new ish to the podcast, uh, obviously, the last couple of years have been very interesting, so to speak. We've sort of taken the position of choosing to be a form of levity in these really, really dire, unprecedented, weird moments in time and history that we're living through that being said like there's limits to how long you can do that yeah exactly. we are however acknowledging that stuff is happening we are not straight up ignoring it because we're video game nerds stuff is happening we will yeah. talk about it so don't worry we're not ignoring it but we're also not going to spend two hours of our moments of levity where we talk about stuff we love by bitching about things that make us sad there are a lot I of have enough sleepless nights as it is yeah there, i mean there are a lot of better places to get that information but uh i mean yeah i mean shit <laughs> that's all i gotta say holy yeah, shit yeah that, that seems to about sum it up Klaus, other than visiting your family for holiday stuff, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Like I said, I had to work over New Year's and then uh, was on call during that time. I'm on call again. Fortunately, I have a friend covering tonight, which is nice. So thank you for that. Um, aside from that, just uh, hoping that uh, 2021 is uh, going to lead to something to what we can call a normal year. So what, whatever the hell normal looks like, I am all for it at this point. Yeah. I mean, it was never going to be the case that 2020 is over and bam, everything resets. Oh, I know. We were still in a fairly precarious I mean, place. At least we have vaccines now. Yes. Vaccines are going out. People are getting shots and uh, hopefully it's going to help the situation. Mm -hmm. We don't know yet. It's too early to tell. But... Uh, this is something about which I know a lot, but I don't think we want to turn it into Phoenix Depression Radio. Nope. No. <laughs> All right. But we wouldn't have to change the merchandising. The PDR would be the same. 
Hi, I'm Sarah. Do I need to mail you ice cream again? Because I swear to God, if I will. Uh, I would not object. Like, ice cream. <laughs> I wonder if Holy I can get shit. it there. You know what? You know, I should uh, get chocolate malted crunch. And, and I bet you it would taste really good with a little bit of Bailey's drizzle over the top. Wait, you can do that to ice cream? Why oh, not? How have I never thought about this? Oh, Dude. boy. You, you, you grab yourself a pint of ice cream. You grab yourself a spoon. You eat about four bites. And then you grab some booze and an immersion blender. You're welcome. Well, have, have you not had a mudslide before? It's basically vanilla ice cream, Kahlua, Bailey's, and maybe vodka? Dude, I'm not that gay. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Fucking, oh my god, that was the best response ever. Thank you. Ouch. Uh, I have had one before that just seemed like the appropriate rejoinder. <laughs> I, also rejoining. I need to step out for a second, Jesus. Alright, so, gaming community news. <laughs> We, I got nothing else. I got nothing now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, actually, we do have um, some news. Uh, we have started the uh, Extra Life 2021 campaign. Uh, uh, j like Man. it's just a uh, uh, end of 2020. We still had the $1,051, which is our best year. Um, thank you very much, everybody, for that. I will be playing Final Fantasy X-2 on stream in 2021. You generous fuckers. Um, so we will be taking care of that. Um, but we already have a donor. Our, our the first donor of 2021 is none other than uh, our uh, uh, show friend, uh, Kane. Kane Thorbreaker uh, donated uh, through Facebook to the uh, the cause already. So we're well on our way. Yeah, more Thank generous you, fuckers. Well done. Good stuff. Yeah. So I'm very happy to, for that. Um. We have lots of stuff we want to plan. We want to do more than just uh, Extra Life. I mean, we are working with a guy who has his own um, nonprofits. There will be plans to do a, uh, a, a charity stream to benefit Marvelous Motors in the future. Yep. Uh, uh, so look, look forward for information on that. We're going to try and raise some funds so people can get cars out in the, uh, the Seattle area. I don't know how far you actually uh, reach... Uh, with with your we, uh, organization but we actually like i originally like didn't have a boundary i was like whatever we're a local company it'll be fine well it turns out when you say local to somebody that's never left their hometown they think local is the four blocks around where they've spent their entire life fair and so i was like oh cool you're local that's amazing where are you from and she's like lou she's like lexington kentucky and i'm like uh we're in everett do you even know where that is and she's like no I'm like, okay, well, we are local to Everett, not local to the town that you've lived in your whole life and the second house you've ever lived in in 45 years. I don't know what to do. I can't send you a Mazda with a slightly quirky throttle 2,500 miles. It's a $600 car. Like, it's not going to work. So we kind of have to shrink it down. Uh, but the long-term goal is to go nationwide and just have partners uh, – around the country that can help us out but for right now we're staying west washington based but we are definitely looking to expand. also ali wits in the chat is actually my artist which is freaking amazing uh and they have been incredibly helpful these last couple of weeks making sure that i don't go completely insane and i still get stuff done 
<laughs> well, Domo Yay, Arigato, Mr. Roboto. Art. But yeah, um, so yeah, look for if, if you guys have ideas on things you would like to see for a charity stream for Marvelous Motors, let us know. We will definitely take some of those uh, ideas. Um, so we'll maybe do something like that uh, spring or summer of this year. Um, I don't know if you guys, we had talked in the past about maybe having you guys do your own extra live streams. We just have a, a, a Phoenix on Radio team. I don't know if you're interested in doing that, where Sarah could support be Benioff and uh, uh, Talas could support uh, whatever hospitals up uh, in the Seattle area. I know people have started buying Seattle me children's. games. Uh, people have started buying me games saying that I want to see you stream it and see how you react to it. So I feel like I should follow through on that. I mean, that would be definitely a thing to do. I mean, we could set up our own individual streams and do stuff like that. I bought Minecraft for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, it's only taken me, what, what? 10 years? Diggy, diggy, say, how old is that game? I, I want to say it was 2013 it came out. Good Lord. No, or was it, or was it 2011? Some, somewhere in... in, in uh, last, 2009. That long ago. Jesus. Dang. So it's a little, it's actually older than Final Fantasy 14, huh? Yep. Oh, that was the alpha that came out in 2009, wasn't it? Let me see. Let's see. PDR is now Minecraft channel. Yeah, I'm trying to get out of it too, Nicknar. I mean, it is fun. I, I am enjoying it. I mean, shit. I mean, on, on last night's stream, I, I found diamonds in, within three hours. Nice. So, I'm granted, I'm, I'm playing on a single-player uh, world right now, but... Ah. um. So yes, paid a paid public alpha in 2009. Okay. November 2011 was when the official release happened. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, it's still a 10-year-old game, I guess. So. But I'm Phoenix I'm, Down I'm, reference. Oh god, I'm off the clock. Why am I doing this? I don't know, man. So yeah, can't help got, you from here. So yeah, we got that going on. Anything else you guys want to discuss before we jump into it? Um, I felt like I had something, but right now I just like I should have another taco, except eating on stream doesn't quite feel right. <laughs> well, I'm hypoglycemic, so y'all can do whatever you want. Crunchy, crunchy, Sweet. crunchy. Crunch. Crunch. So, um, gaming community news. There is a bunch of Final Fantasy 14 stuff to talk about. Uh, it is currently Heaven's turn. And the event runs until January 18th. So let's copy-paste this sucker. And we're getting helmets again! We get all Woo! the helmets. Bull helmets. Ox helmets, yeah, I guess, technically. But... I was gonna say, add it to my pile. Right? <laughs> I was gonna say, like, it's, I'm so stoked. I'm like, sweet, I get a boar. Okay, cool, I get a puppy. Okay, I get this cool, the snake one is awesome. And then I'm like, all right, cool. These immediately go in the armory chest, and I just do, or the uh, armoire, the glamour dresser, and I just never touch them again. Yeah, I, I mean, don't even use them for glamour; they're just gone. We've kind of gotten to the, uh, we've almost gone to the point where it's going to be the one that was happening during the what? When is the year of the rabbit? God, I don't know. I don't follow the stuff, but yeah, we we're going to hit full circle at some point, and we're going to go okay. How do we do this as a 1.0 slash 2.x quest oh, yeah. without it being weird beyond all reason for everybody that showed up in Shadowbringers? Uh, 
So two years from now will be the year of the rabbit, which was also the one that happened during uh, 1.0. Gonna be real. I'm really excited for it. Not because I think it's going to be super groundbreaking and amazing, but there's just going to be Easter eggs for all of us old fuckers that were around back then. Um, just because that's how SE usually works. I'm excited for it. But for now, Heaven's Turn, January 18th. Go get your helmets. Oh, it is also the... Uh... The uh, twelve member of the twelve associated with the year with this year is Oshan, the Wanderer. There is any amount of speculation going on with this as well. All right, and sorry, uh, getting closer to the mic, please. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, to go with, with that, oh, we ahead. also get uh, Yoshida's New Year's greeting. Um. I don't know if we need to necessarily read through the whole thing. He likes to write a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot to talk about this year. Even if, like, a lot of the actual game content got delayed, there was a lot going on in the development and the story and the planning. But we did get our uh, um, our mysterious uh, um, uh, quote, this little poem. Our progeny may never know wherefore we look unto the sky, nor why we dig for truths below. We bear their scorn on and or watch them die. From the Journal of a Resolute Man. And as Yoshi says, who is this resolute man? Sarah, who is the resolute man? I mean, they always leave it good and ambiguous. And I think for a lot of them, we never actually get a clear answer as to who wrote it. Uh, I can tell you that, as usual, the lore mongers have gone and grabbed all four language editions of the New Year's poem, uh, gone through the translating, comparing to try to eke out any bits of knowledge. Uh, There is, of course, a thread on the official forums that has all of the poems, along with the best effort we have at translating them. Uh, don't know for sure, but current strongest speculation is that it has something to do with Charlayan. Uh, Charlayan astrology being the one that uh, reads all the various things of the sky, uses it to try to tell the future, and to cast those benefits and whatnot. Benefics? Where do you put the stress on that? I've got enough stress to go around. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> it's all stress. And- and Charlotte, and digging down uh, to the depths of the earth, the Antitower, uh, this research station trying to reach all the way down to the ethereal sea, was a Charlayan construction. Uh, they've always put themselves forward as one that just like kind of stands back, seeks this knowledge, but looks not to interfere. And so there's a suggestion that. Uh, some of what's going on with uh, with Charlayan may start playing a bit into the story. Doesn't necessarily mean that we're going there, but that this could become an important element. Which, of course, I say can't come too soon. We still need to do something about Charlayan war crime loaf. I had banned that from my brain, by the way. Thanks, Thanks for bringing Sarah. it up. Now, thinly sized Charlayan war crime loaf, as an accompaniment to your Mountain Dew Gamer Ramen... Well, no, see, what you need to do is you actually need to make it into French toast. I can't punch both of you from here. <laughs> I can't. I want to. Real bad. You know, Where, th- hang th- on, th- let me th- actually pull up the chat. So, let's see. 
yeah. <laughs> you know, thick sliced and, you know, just. <laughs> uh, but uh, it sounds like. Am I getting, am I getting robotic again? No, you're fine. You're good. Bummer. It sounds like uh, the upcoming announcement showcase next month may have uh, some more uh, information or this might make sense when that comes out. So it might be pointing towards uh, some uh, spoilers or some uh, info about 6.0. Yeah. And in normal circumstances, uh, we would have had at least one of, I think, possibly two of the fan fests by now, because it would have been the first one in November. When I can never remember quite when they do the scheduling for well, uh, the second. I, wa- I think normally, the, well, the J- Japanese one is usually around uh, Christmas. So, yeah, they would have mm-hmm. had two of the fan fests by now. We would have had the probably the tile for the next expansion and dribbling out of some of the details. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we're going to be getting most of that in the special February event. Uh, but oh, and a lot of that would, of course, tie into this. This is the bit where they start trying to build up all of that good hype. Yeah, we're like five weeks away from that right now, I think. Something like that. Well, the original London Fan Fest was supposed to be February 20th and 21st. So, like, as long as, and you know, after they said, hey, we're just not doing any of this stuff, they were able to kind of refocus some of that attention to make sure that everything's getting done. We're still getting the news at a good schedule and a good pacing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. as long as they're able to, you know, continue to get uh, um, the game updates taken care of, make sure that everything is working well there and all the development uh, is staying a, a pace. Um, you know, just release the game when it's done. That's, that's all I got to say. Release it when it's done, you know, working, no major issues. We don't want another cyberpunk, uh, debacle going on with uh, 6.0. There was also a really, uh, at the end of the message, there was a really kind note specifically to the healthcare workers who have been doing the work during the pandemic. Uh, talked a little bit about a lot of the messages they get from them and how much those workers of, of those who play Final Fantasy XIV appreciate having uh, it as a little refuge and a place to escape from the stresses of the day. And it sounded like Yoshi P himself feels very honored and flattered that he's able to provide something that's able to make their lives a little bit better in this really difficult time. Yeah. I mean, so it's really nice to see that little shout out there, that this fantasy world that we inhabit, that this is something that add something to our real lives that gives us a little bit of space to breathe and to process and to keep going for the next day. It's a nice thought and it was really well expressed. It was, I think I actually did tear up a little bit. I was feeling a lot of feelings that day. Yoshida's been pretty good about getting this stuff, uh, you know, about writing his feelings and, uh, you know, expressing things. So it's, it's nice to see that uh, he's continuing that and that, Mm-hmm. They're continuing to to do their work and uh, aren't letting the current world situation, you know, get them down. Everyone's doing their best. I mean, it, one, yeah, it is what it is. Um, another little bit of Final Fantasy fourteen news. There's another Pusheen um crossover collaboration uh, with some uh, iMessage stickers. Uh, you can get for 99 cents on the Apple Store. Let me copy paste this. If you have Nothing Android, yeah, yep, no Android, no Windows, but uh, the sticker—they're animated stickers, and they're really—they are cute. So if you've got an iPhone and you like Final Fantasy 14 and Pusheen, look into it. 
You know, it's only a buck. I remember oh. the, the stickers that they, they had the, the first time with all the different uh, um, jobs and uh, <laughs> the, the monster ones. They were just, they were adorable. Absolutely cute. That I, I think I had that one. Yeah, those so were just... I have an iPhone back then. No, those were just available to everybody. They were just um, little images, so... Yeah, these uh, ones are full-on animated stickers. Gotcha. The yeah. one of pushing being hugged by a Moogle is really heartwarming. Yeah. And, of course, we have to have some Final Fantasy-adjacent news. Uh, Talas, I think you put this first one in there. Yeah, I did. So... Let me pull it up to make sure I get all the data right. Uh, so Super Mario Maker 2, anybody that has a uh, Nintendo Switch might have seen it or heard of it. Um, for those who are unfamiliar with it, it's the follow-up to a game where they basically released the Nintendo Mario Toolkit and let players make their own levels, which was really cool for the first couple of days. And then we immediately started making the most ridiculous, hot garbage, trash fire levels that were almost impossible for everybody. And so needless to say, it's been around for like two years, three. I mean, uh, we've reached the point where people are making art pieces out of it in some form or another. So one of those people is actually a dude named Composer. Uh, he actually does music. If you put a music note somewhere in a Mario level and then hit it, that music note plays a note and it's a different note based on where it is and where it gets hit. So if you have a whole bunch of music levels and a bunch of Goombas that fall on them and bounce on them constantly, you can play stuff like Toto's Africa or Through the Fire and the Flames. And Jesus. one of the things that somebody has made is uh, music levels are just the standard for anything now where you just kind of are cruising along the bottom of the screen and it plays a song or they turn it into a platformer that you actually have to play at speed and your jumps and ice block hits and fireballs and everything is timed into the music. So you have to do it all to the song. I've always really liked the autoplay levels that pull that off, but I know those are a really huge undertaking. So they're really hard to do autoplay. The fact that this one involves you actually playing the game and doing medium hard platforming in order to play the song. Uh, but they've made the song The Decisive Battle from Final Fantasy VI, which we covered in a show a couple of weeks ago. So if you want to hear boss music from Final Fantasy VI while you're playing as Luigi, running and jumping and platforming against spikes and stuff, uh, there's actually a level code that I'm going to throw in the chat, and hopefully it ends up in the show notes at some point. And if you have a Switch... You should definitely, definitely play this. Uh, if you don't have a Switch and you're, or you just don't really have the platforming uh, capabilities, uh, check out Carl Sagan 42 on YouTube. Uh, he has a video where he does play this. It's definitely worth checking out. <laughs> That's pretty cool that, that oh, people do this. Dang, this is like actually a really quality. Oh, damn. The instrumentation. Did you pull it okay, up? I am not going to. Yes, I am not going to attempt to watch the whole thing now, but just that first clip, like, okay, this was actually a really quality version of it. Like, several instruments coming in. Uh, it's like a good arrangement. Sarah, why don't you link that into Twitch so I can get, and then put in the show notes for me, please. Oh, sure. sweet. So I found, but yeah, I the one I found is just a random person playing through it on a stream, so he's, of course, uh, having some halting oh, okay. attempts getting killed partway through but it gives you an idea of what's involved in it otherwise tell us you said it's tough carl sagan 42 carl sagan 42 is another good one um 
Does he make apple but pie? Yeah. No, he makes vaccines by growing them in plants. Nice. He's an actual doctor. He spoke oh, wow. in packs at one point. He's like crazy smart, but his like outlet is Mario Maker. It's nice. really fun to watch. That, that's the pretty world cool. is really interesting these days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then uh, another little bit. Um, Sarah, do you still listen to Ask Me Another? Uh, not at this point. Okay, well, um, Ask Me Another is an NPR podcast. Um, they do nerdy game show type of things, and it's uh, fun. Th this week's episode has some uh, Final Fantasy references in it, actually. Uh, and I, I just thought it was kind of neat and just wanted to mention that. Um, it's an NPR quiz show, so you might learn something from it, but it's still worthwhile. Exactly. It's a, it's a fun show. Um, but uh, Final Fantasy X's uh, World Spira was mentioned in a, in a game they played where the guests had to determine whether something was a defunct tech startup, a prominent modern dance troupe, or a video game world. Can you imagine just... I <laughs> I would get every single one wrong. Oh my god! If I didn't know already, I would probably guess Spirit to be a defunct tech startup. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. But uh, so that they listed that one, and then uh, they had a. They always have a special guest on, on their episodes, and this uh, week's guest, uh, Bowen Yang, uh, he's on uh, Saturday Night Live. He's actually a huge Kingdom Hearts fan. So that game, they they decided to. Uh, um, come up with a game where they would uh, mash up a video game with a, no a totally non-related television series, you know, in in the spirit of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> um, oh God! So 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 they they mashed up um, Final Fantasy Ten Two with with the show Killing Eve. I'm not familiar with the show, I'm, but uh, I was gonna say I have no idea what the show is. However, the fact that they're like. We're going to play Final Fantasy Princess Dress Up versus a spy series. Yeah, it, it's just so weird. I mean, but I mean, why Final Fantasy X-2 of all games? I mean, you got <laughs> talented killer, da -da -da, spy, each woman obsessed with the other as a test with hunting down the psychopathic assassin. I can see that leaking up. Yeah. I guess it is kind of, but but there's there's just less dress up, I think, right? I don't know. They're wearing some yeah, but, in that uh, promo thing. I don't know. Sean Delaney and Sandra O oh are both in the show, so like, and Phoebe Waller Bridge is the creator and one of the writers for it. But why? So, could, okay, you're not starting from zero. Like that's actually not too shabby. I don't know. But why couldn't they put like uh, Terra and Kefka? You know, Terra trying to get away from Kefka on Gilligan's Island or something. Come on. <laughs> I feel like the joke wears thin fairly quickly. Mm. Sound off in the chat if you've ever actually watched Gilligan's Island, or if that's just an old man reference for the three of us. Why are you doing this to us? <laughs> oh, oh, but it was just kind of funny. Um. All right. So that's kind of all the, 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 the game and community news that I could come up with. So so now we have one more disc to finish Final Fantasy VII's original soundtrack. Again, a huge thank you to FinalFantasy.Fandom.com. Their wiki is amazing. Uh, lots of good information in that. So uh, 
Uh, check them out if you have any Final Fantasy questions. There's a lot of good info there. So at this point, story-wise, given the tracks we've already done, we've been through, I think, we've gone through the first disc. We're a decent chunk of the way into the second. We got all the way to the Northern Crater, made it through the Whirlwind Maze, had some further revelations about uh, Sephiroth and Cloud and the nature of what's going on with the great conflict at the center of the story. And, uh, yeah, I believe the last one, and basically, we basically ended with uh, Cloud... Um, being his soul, so to speak, being dragged into the live stream, and then he, they find him kind of in a daze in Medeal. Yep. Um, but the 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 first song we get on on disc four. is Shinra's full-scale assault. This is one of those, like, you hear it and you almost wish you had a sword at your waist, kind of like, oh shit, bad things are happening track. But it's it's also very daunting. Like, if you were just standing there watching it, it's that feeling of helplessness that you get. Yeah, this song plays during the FMV with when Barrett showing... Tifa Meteor. When Cloud yeah, this is... actually played all the way back in disc one. Yeah. Um, it plays when Cloud is going through various obstacles and trying to reach the upper gate to get to Shinner HQ, as well as in Junon after acquiring the High Wind. So yeah, at this point, pretty much any time that you go to Junon, which at that point has been equipped with, or is no... At that point, it is no longer equipped with the Sister Ray, but it is still like... It's kind of, we went for this place where we had these big military parades, where it's a celebratory place to, it is now a place that's kind of, not on lockdown, but keyed up for battle. But yeah, all the way back on disc one, when we were doing that initial climb up the golden shiny wire of hope to get to Shinra headquarters. Yeah, I suppose. At this point, it was like that first taste of it. But yeah, I think we don't get the full playthrough of it until we get into uh, um, Junon in the High Wind, so... This is when Shinra is casting off any pretense and bringing its full might to bear on a situation. Have we heard anything about the second chapter of the 7 remake? They're still working on it. Okay. I don't think we've gotten any details at this no. point. There's been no, there's just, there's, no new news there's, yet. Um, listening to the soundtrack the last couple shows, it's like, right, there's such cool stuff coming. Mm-hmm. Mm, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, we have weird shadow hoodie emo boys and more swords, I guess. I'm like, no, I want more story. Give me the rest. I just like the way this song, this song plays because it's kind of got a lot of the military pomp and circumstance with it, as well as there are spots that are a little bit more sinister in, in their feel. Yeah, there's still that Shinra edge to it. Exactly. And this leads well into the next tune. Attack of the weapon 
with the first weapon being diamond weapon at uh, and and the uh, heading to Junon and then they're when you shoot Sister Ray at it, correct? So it was Sapphire Weapon that was approaching Junon. Oh, was, it, was it Sapphire? Diamond Weapon is the one that ma- marches on Midgar. Okay. Okay. I know it was, there was one of them where they where they shot the, the ray at it and t- to take it out. I just couldn't remember yeah, which one it was. Yeah, that would be Sapphire. So that one actually did take it out, and then it, more came, and then we had to actually fight Diamond, and then we got to... F- if you chose to, you could fight Emerald and, and uh, Ruby. And Ultima. And then you can fight Ultima, yes. Ultima's a required fight, though, correct? Nope. Hmm. It's a lot easier to. Uh, you see it flying in the sky, and most people generally wanted to because it was less difficult than the others, and you got Cloud's ultimate weapon out of it. Okay. But only uh, Diamond was the, was the required fight? Correct. Okay. Gotcha. It's yeah, been you got so that, long. Like, <laughs> that kind of like building crescendo with what sounds like little alarms blaring. Like you can imagine some Shinra control room with all things going off on high alert as you have this force, literal force of nature approaching. Yeah. The weapons being uh, things created by the planet as kind of like a natural immune system response. They exist to destroy the things that threaten the planet. And right now, as far as the planet's concerned, that big old space rock is not the only or possibly not even the biggest threat. So, silly question. I have, like I said, it's been a while since I've actually done the the weapon fights in 14. Do they use any of this? in those themes. It seems like a lost uh, opportunity to not use it. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly don't remember. I was so excited to get to pilot a robot last time. That was (laughs) fun. That was fun. Uh, Also, there's so many Gundam references. Yeah, so many Gundam references. Most of them, <coughs> sorry, most of the music involved actually ends up being callbacks to the Garleyan generals involved uh, that are invoked during the fights for various reasons. Which is fair as well, but it just would have been nice to have this music as a part of the buildup, so. Mm. All right, next tune. Yes, this is an airship theme. <laughs> I was like, isn't this the Highwind's theme? Yes, this, yes, it this is. This is Highwind Takes to the Skies. So you've got that main theme there. You had that little... Da, 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 that kind of makes me think of, like, the propeller spinning round and round and round. Yep. And that kind of that high, soaring melody. It feels like a Final Fantasy airship theme. Every time, they, every time we get an airship theme, it sounds like we've achieved something that isn't just by power but is also by skill and it always sounds like we're rushing like there's kind of this windy airy tone to all of them and this one is no exception to that it definitely sounds like an airship theme yeah those first bits that rising crescendo shows up in another fun instance of flight in the game uh, at the Gold Saucer, when you're playing the Mog House game, where you're attempting to encourage Mog to take that first flight 
that is apparently an important part of the maiden display for moogles. And so each time you manage to get it to take off into the air, you have that rising. That's right. Fly. I remember that now. This is also a very long track. But it's also a very good track. I mean, it's something that's going to be playing while you're in the airship, so you don't necessarily want it to repeat too quickly. Given that you may be taking... It also depends on the game, especially in the later games where you start having longer flights as you're searching the skies for something. I mean, you want you need to have something that's going to, you know, keep you entertained and engaged. Yeah. And this song definitely does that. It's fun just to listen to. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of reached a point where every once in a while you'll just like hop in the airship and fly around and just like enjoy the sights. And then after a few of that, you'll be like, okay, what's the next thing? Yeah. But we've kind of reached a point in the series where just flying around in the airship and seeing stuff and enjoying uh, the landscape spraying out before you is the thing you want to do. Absolutely. Well, and then this is just, it's a fun world to fly around as well. There's oh, a yeah, lot, especially because we walked through all of it. So we've been like, oh, God, we have to deal with this. And then we're like, hey, no, we don't. Now also, we fly over you. We win this time. It was one of the big releases for the uh, first releases for the PlayStation. It was the first one that had this full on polygonal 3D world. So there is some amount of expectation that people are going to want to just like appreciate it in its grandeur. For the time, it was pretty goddamn amazing. That and I think this also plays when you are you know, inside the ship, moving around and doing stuff there. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to do within the high wind, so. <laughs> but we can go ahead and move on. To the secret of the deep sea. From this high is, in the sky to deep underwater. Yep, this is the submarine theme. Probably one of the best er places to kind of level up, to grind some levels. Yeah, I'll agree with that. There's definitely better grinding spots. Yeah. But I mean, this one's then... easy, easy to get to. Um, you don't have to worry too much about going too deep into an area. You can get out You're pretty easily. You're talking about the crashed Kelnika, I presume. Yeah, th that's the submarine. Oh, uh, so I don't believe you fight in the submarine itself. Well, yeah, there's something under there that you fight, that, you're fighting, isn't there? So there's the Gelnico, which was a cargo ship that we saw Shinra using at various points to ferry stuff like the huge materia. That at this point, you can find the crashed remains of it at the bottom of the mm. sea, and you can explore inside. Okay, I thought this submarine okay. was the, the place we were fighting. Now, the submarine, the submarine itself, you just explore around the depths there, which there's a fair bit to see there, including tunnels of uh, leading to some fairly unexpected spots. Kind of like a kind of serene feeling to it. There are also a couple moments that made me think of the Icicle Inn music. Which there's kind of that similar sense of like everything had slowed down coming to a stop. Well, I kind of 
think of this, you know, this, this definitely makes me think, you know, deep underwater, because it's kind of got that whole, the whole Jacques Cousteau kind of uh, feeling. <laughs> There's a little bit of, like, mystery to it. You're deep enough that, like, the world above, like, the world above is literally another world. You're at that kind of depth, and who knows what sorts of things you're going to find down here. Especially that giant green hulking form over there. <laughs> oh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> so, uh, Alliewitz in the chat just mentioned, I like how you can hear the ebbs and flows of the wind in the previous track and the movement of what we associate with water in this piece. And Pyrocats hits with it reminds me of bubbles rising. With this one, oh, yeah. that's what it was. That's what it was. Okay, good call on that. There's an element there I was having trouble describing, but I think you got it in one. But yeah, I definitely think that uh, Uematsu is good at uh, giving you a uh, a musical rep representation of the different elements, L like like you said in in the chat there, Talas. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's notes like it's like specific chords and note progressions that kind of lead us to think of our four elements of Final Fantasy, the water, the wind, the fire, and the earth. And when we hear those notes, even in a game that we've never played before, we go, okay, I just left a castle. I'm in a forest-ish and there's a path, but I'm hearing notes and it's making me think earth. And sure enough, you're fighting Titan within the next hour of gameplay. Like it really makes you think about where the game is headed with the soundtrack. It's the same as the like brooding, deep, long violin chords. It's like, oh no, is this the scary, intense part of the movie? Yes, of course it is. <laughs> and they're they're able to do this in a different medium. Like you can do that in orchestral pieces. You can do that in film audio. But this is something that you're interacting with. Video games are a very, very cool medium where it is a movie. Yep, and you need to but make you're a sure. Character, but you're not a protagonist. It's yeah. super fun. Yeah. Whereas with music, I mean, you need to be able to, especially video game music, you need to get that feeling right away. I mean, you don't have, you know, where it plays the entirety necessarily, like you do with a movie or a TV show. You might not get through the entirety of the uh, the particular musical uh, um, song within the fight or, or whatever element that you're currently working on. So you need that feel right away. You might just be, you might just be in the airship for about 15 seconds to jump over to this one thing. So you're just going to get that initial bit of soaring. Yeah. So you better be able to nail at least some bit of it in that first 15 seconds. Yes. All right. So f going from the deep sea, we go to the provincial town. This is the town theme for the Bone Village and Medeal. Like, if I had to pick one word for this, it would be shady. Yeah. Those chords kind of give you a little bit of an uneasy feeling. Yeah. Like, there's nothing actively bad, but this is still a place that's like, you're maybe a little out of your depth on what's going on here. Something something might, Something's afoot. Yeah.
<laughs> Come on, does that not sound like the thing for like some type of mystery not uh, show or whatever? Yeah. A <laughs> little bit. I mentioned earlier in the chat, like, I want a 1950s-themed Final Fantasy. And, and this Ooh. would be, like, the theme for, like, the, if our private detective, or... Exactly, like, I want brass outer decor on every building and a hard-boiled character as a main character somewhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like if L.A. Noir were Final Fantasy and also a little better done? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the next song. Now this plays in Medeal when Cloud is hurt, as well as in Rocket Town after the meteor has been summoned. It's called From the Edge of Despair. The scenes uh, with Cloud have an additional audio element of almost like a kind of wheezing, like of a ventilator operating or some type of similar equipment. The rise and fall of it. Yeah. Well, like even the, the title is uh, Zetsubo is one of the sets of kanji in the title, which is just an ultimate level of despair. And it's not a mat. It's the kind of despair that isn't just sadness. It's the utter helplessness type of despair. Shall I give you despair? I or do you prefer kinda, an apple? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Zetsubo no Fuchikara. And it's just, it's the, the edge. It's from the, you know that you are one step away from being so broken you can't come back. Yeah, it's a and for anybody new to the podcast, yes, I do like looking at the meaning of kanji for the titles of songs because <laughs> it teaches us a lot of stuff about how the song was meant to be listened to. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's helpful. Absolutely. I mean, it, I, it doesn't sound as melancholy as the title would uh, make it seem it should, but uh, it's, it is definitely kind of a, uh, a little bit, it's a little depressive feeling. Yeah. Like, and in terms of the despair aspects, the biggest thing that I would say is representing that is the lack of a path forward. Like, the... The element, and this is a, uh, the whole concept of hope and despair actually shows up in a lot of the more recent Final Fantasy games. So just this idea of like, okay, what do you do now? The being frozen in place. Literally Figure or figuratively. <laughs> Look at Saz's son. Look at Luna Freya. Like, yeah. It's like, okay, now what? You're in a bad situation. Like, in other situations, that could be like, the, well, stuff is bad, but we at least know what to do. We at least can move forward. We can keep going towards our thing. But this is a, we're stopped. We're frozen in place. Yeah, they're kind we of We know stopped. what to do, and then we're Lassie. We know what to do, and then we turn the corner, and suddenly we 
don't. Yeah. We know what to do, and then Palom and Polom aren't moving anymore. It's bad. Yeah, we know, but then, and then Cloud the, is the uh, in a hospital is a place with eternal locket. But yeah. And let's go ahead and move on to the next tune. little bit happier i'd say less happy but more like maybe nostalgic in some ways yeah this is called the other side of the mountain and it plays when tifa realizes cloud's deepest memory when they're both submerged in the live stream yeah this comes during the sequence where tifa has literally been walking through cloud's memories of events it's a, a, a sequence of revelations where Cloud is once again telling the story of how he returned to Nibelheim, how he uh, faced off against Sephiroth, all the things that happened in there. But now Tifa is finally saying, no, this bit didn't happen. No, this is what happened here. This is a bit where she's finally confronting that fear and looking back at, hey, this is what really happened then. And they're kind of exploring taking this heroic uh, story that Cloud had told uh, himself and looking a little bit more like what's their true history and finding like a different kind of heroism in it. Yeah. So there is a kind of like tender nostalgic element to it. Yeah, Cloud doesn't have to be the, you know, the, the blazing hero that he, that he was portraying himself to be. Uh, when... The one that he always promised Tifa that he would be. Exactly. While he does do a very heroic thing, um, at the, the, the Nibelhelm reactor, um, it doesn't go exactly the way he had it planned. It was Zack that was the one who first confronted uh, Sephiroth, and then he comes in later as, as just a regular Shinra soldier. Yeah, uh, he's the type of hero who says, let's mosey. <laughs> Yeah, this is, I mean, during these, some of these scenes, this is some of our first uh, inter introduction to Zack, too, isn't it? Yeah, previously we had seen him in a photograph when we see that, hey, Cloud's memories of the photograph that was taken uh, before they left for the reactor, all stuff like that. And then we see another version of them. But yeah, these are the first scenes where we're actually getting to really see Zack. Mm -hmm. And if you've played uh, Crisis Core, you'll know a lot more about Zack. I never had a PSP, so... <laughs> he but, is definitely one of the elements that I'm looking forward to seeing a bit of what they're doing with the remake. Absolutely. I'm I mean, gonna say, Crisis Core was such a divisive game. Like, you had to have yeah. a certain different piece of hardware, and it was weird. And yeah. you yeah. needed to know, you needed it for the whole story. But not everybody played it. Yeah. I will say the soundtrack is amazing. I think it's the same. Uh, a lot of the same sound people that worked on that also worked on the Final Fantasy 15 soundtrack. There's a lot I of similarities. So. That sounds right. Yeah. If you listen to them, it, it sounds like they, they're very related. Uh, anyway, continuing on, we gotta hurry up. This is another one of those ones that has appeared at a lot of points in the game. Yes. This almost sounds like I would not be surprised if Yasunori Mitsuda was part of this. 
Like, it sounds like something he would write for one of the Chrono series games or something, somewhere you yeah. can do quickly, but still grounded in what you're doing. There's definitely a sense of urgency with this music. It plays during battles in Battle Square. It plays when Sid and the party try to stop the, the runaway train from hitting North Corel. As well as when Diamond Weapon appears. Yeah, all of those are good fits for Hurry Up. Yeah, the loop itself is relatively shorter as well, which feels kind of adds a feeling of urgency and speed to it. It sounds like an alarm. It's like an yeah. alarm's loop is like three seconds or whatever. This is the same kind of thing. Like, we hear the yeah. the sound, and we're like, oh, it's still going. Oh, it's going to keep going until I'm done doing this. Yeah, it... Especially with the segments of the North Corel train uh, really heightens it. I feel like there's kind of an element of like hurdling. Like you're. Yeah. Like this is not a like a. It's a quickness that's kind of like a chaotic one, one where you don't have a moment to pause and get your feet under yourself. You're just moving as fast as you can. And there's a decent chance that you're going to crash into something because you don't have the time to pick your steps. really well done yeah and pyrocats and alleywoods just mentioned like oh hey key shift yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you think oh i have to go fast everything is going poorly this is a good song oh for no oh, shit, shit no oh, it's going no, even it's... faster now <laughs> exactly that's bad <laughs> it was already going there and then it just sped up more oh god i have 200 of my 3,000 hit points. That's bad. Oh, I still have to keep going. Oh, that's real bad. <laughs> there actually is that sequence with the North Corel train where you're trying, you've gotten to the front and it's got some weird archaic Shinra control scheme that is not especially intuitive. It would not pass modern muster, but it's Shinra and they probably had some uh, relative of Hojo do it for cheap. Oh. Uh, and so you're trying to futz with the controls and the train speeds up. Or you're in the battle arena and you just you just spun frog. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. There goes that oh, run. No so much part of that. So much for the champion belt on that run. <laughs> I also hate those battles in, in the square where you're like, all right, I got this. If I crit this, I will win. And then you don't crit. And then immediately one of your party members dies and you're like, rad. That's exactly what I wanted. All right, let's go. And then the music's still going faster and faster in your head. <laughs> it's like, damn it, it's not good. All right, let's continue on with the next theme. Definitely a different theme from the previous. I mean, we're not hurrying this time. Like that slow, gentle strumming, it's almost melancholy. Well, you are in space. And we, we're actually getting some musical motifs that we've heard before at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is launching a dream into space. We have just uh, gone into space on the, uh, the, the Shinra rocket. With Shinra 23 or 27, was it? Oh no, the Shinra 26. 
so close. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, space is one of those places that can be both peaceful and uh, terrifying. Yeah, and you absolutely have to have Sid in your party for this. It is required because, I mean, this is the culmination of everything he's been working towards. This is his long-held dream, finally achieved. And there's that moment of just, like, being there, being staggered at the sheer grandiosity of it. Yeah, there's a little bit of the high wind music in there, isn't there? A little bit. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like, the high wind music is practically Sid's theme. Sid's last name is freaking high wind. True. All right, let's go ahead and jump to the next one, though. Really shorter track. <laughs> yes. Well, it shouldn't be very long. I mean, it is just a countdown. This is during the rocket launch uh, uh, sequence. There's a lot to think about when you're launching, you know, 50 tons of uh, steel and propellant. Oh, there's that heroic crescendo. Or not crescendo. And more high wind. Yeah, there's a little bit of a frenetic feel, uh, in part because the circumstances under which you're going into space. Uh, Shinra has been collecting all of the huge materia uh, with the plan to load it up into the rocket, launch it all at Meteor, and hopefully blow the whole thing to hell. God, right. which movie was it? Deep Impact? Armageddon? There were, like, so many of those that all had kind of the same idea of, like, there's a giant meteor and we're going to, like, blow it up. We didn't go with a giant drill this time. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Bruce Willis. It was not the drill that pierced the heavens. <laughs> but so the entire reason for being on this rocket is the party has decided that, the, that this plan is unlikely to work. And further, that the huge materia as this agglomeration of all this knowledge and power of the ancients, uh, it, that is something that's going to be more useful taking the fight to Sephiroth. So. And so you go to recover all of that, and that includes sneaking onto the rocket. Like, you're not originally supposed to be there. You have snuck on there to try to recover this thing before it crashes into the uh, meteor. We are Final Fantasy heroes. We're never supposed to be there. Like, right. ever. We right, just Dante. show up and stuff happens. We are never actually supposed to be any I'm of the places we end up. I'm not supposed to be here today. <laughs> But it's I assure you, day. we are open. You smell shoe polish? <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Another very, uh, more relaxed theme. Pyrocats, the plan to get back to Gaia was to hope for the best. <laughs> the plan was YOLO. Yeah, basically. That was the plan. Yeah. Anyway, this is called Open Your Heart. It plays 
uh, during non-battle scenes at Fort Condor, as well as the Materia Caves. Yeah, for Fort Condor, of course, you have uh, that giant egg atop uh, the condor and the egg atop the uh, reactor. This kind of like beautiful new life. And the Materia Caves have their own mystique about them, so it, it's very fitting here as well. Yep. I kind of like fading in and out bit. just so many different levels of this music. It's just so good. Yeah. Uh, so it's... your Alley Cats just throws down in the chat. Uh, considering our cast, I feel like there's a lot of timelines where they don't make it back. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! yeah. <laughs> we have very, I mean, we need the eclectic cast just for like the way the games are produced, but just the narrative in and of itself the people that we have doing this definitely look like the type of people that are kind of destined to fail in some way and we just don't know when so when you keep putting everything against us eventually someone breaks oh there's the bells oh I did I said alley cats <laughs> eh, close enough you knew what I meant this isn't my final form <laughs> I will absolutely find some ridiculous thing to do in exchange for which I want Alleywits and Pyrocats to do the fusion dance. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, actually. That was hilarious. We need somebody to draw that up. Chat, podcast listeners, you can email us at podcast at Phoenix Down Radio with fan art and we oh, would love the crap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one is a <laughs> oh my god they're hilarious oh no everything is everything is good bad and awesome all at the same time this is the mako cannon you know nothing bad can happen with this right it no it's fine everything is fine it is the ultimate weapon of technology I mean, they're just shooting, you know, the life essence of the planet into the North Crater. What can possibly go wrong? Yeah, there's some interesting aspects to the entire scene and how it all goes down here. Uh, that it's one of those other things that took me a while to realize just what is going on and stuff that may not have been as clearly communicated. Because all this is going on while the diamond weapon is marching on Midgar. Uh, the Sister Ray has actually been pulled from Junon and brought to Midgar in order to take advantage of its eight Mako reactors. Well, seven, wouldn't it be? Okay, yes. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> to be... Wait, no, six. six. Because yeah, the yeah, first th and the fifth got blown up. Yeah. Whoop. Well, I don't know. I thought uh, maybe they, they were able to fix the first by now. Probably no. They're like Shinra had shifted plans. Like there's that a meeting you watch in on where they say that we are not going to be rebuilding. The plan has been shifted to finding the promised land. 
Gotcha. All right. Well, that didn't end well, uh, we know. So, uh, but so this scene has the diamond weapon advancing, and ostensibly you think, okay, this cannon is there in order to blow the diamond weapon away. Uh, but instead, Rufus Shinra makes a decision to have it destroy the barrier at the northern crater. Even as the diamond weapon is firing the beams that blow up the Shinra building, and so far as we know, end him. Like, in his last moments, he makes a decision to give us the opportunity to strike at Sephiroth. There's something interesting about that. Yeah. We see that a lot with a lot of the Shinra people, with the Turks, with Rufus, where in addition to all those villainous things, there's a certain pragmatism about them. And then we get Judgment Day. This plays in the Northern Cave. Ali would say we make that joke three weeks ago. <laughs> we did. <laughs> yeah, this is as we are making the final descent. The barrier's been opened. The pathway to where Sephiroth waits. It's there. Yeah, this is a lot of buildup here. This is basically the third disc right here. Yep. The next few songs are all disc three. I mean, disc three pretty much open uh, is the opening of the Northern Cave, and you can still go around, do any remaining side quests, things like that. It's not like it's Xenogears or something. Once you go to disc three, you cannot go anywhere else. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, Xenogears' production was riddled with issues. But yeah, you know some serious shit's going down with this music. At the same time, it's like it's there's kind of a trudging aspect to it. Like there's not a clear, all right, and now it's building up to this triumph, whatever. It's no, we don't know where, how to get it, get to the bottom. We're we're slowly making our way down. We have no idea how far down we even are. The path splits, splits several times. You actually send different party members down the different paths, mm -hmm. and so can get a variety of treasure depending on where you go and where you send others. Hilariously, uh, Yuffie, will, Yuffie will keep some of the treasure for herself if you don't follow up with her enough on it. Surprise, surprise. Some people never change. Yuffie will never change. I really do want to see what they do with the Yuffie in the, uh, the remake. Oh yeah, I am looking forward to that. Let's go ahead and jump in to our next theme. Which is a pretty epic boss theme. I mean, this game is just wrought with amazing bosses, amazing boss battles, and matching music. 
This is Genova so complete. Many, there's so many fights that are just non-worry, just that you just kind of go in, push buttons, and you're done. You don't even need to worry about using your menu. Genova complete is one where you are making sure that you make all of your moves count. Yeah, because you will die. Genova you synthesis, will get absolutely wrecked. Genova synthesis fight. is a hard battle. It's not the hardest battle, but it's a hard battle. Yeah. All throughout this, we've been fighting fragments of Genova. And in fact, the entire there's been the recurring thing of the concept of reunion that these pieces of Genova divided apart and injected into a whole bunch of people will slowly uh, have a strong drive to reunite and drive the people with of uh, in which they are embedded to come together and so these are those parts finally reassembled into one this is the ancient calamity from the skies that destroyed the setra all of it gets reunited yeah if i remember correctly there were a lot of different uh, um status effects that uh, genova complete or genova synthesis would uh would throw out the party all at once. I believe so. Let me check. I got a thing about its actual battle AI somewhere. I remember it. it I I think I ended up having to use the guide to get through this fight. Yep. I think I was over level, so I just ended up crushing it. But it's like that wasn't. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel like I did it right. It felt like I just broke it. It did help to have uh, ribbon though. Ribbon is a legacy armor piece from like Final Fantasy 1 and it is the you don't get hit with instant deaths or status effects or yeah and if you don't have a ribbon there's a spell called wall uh, that you use in its place but it's not as good ribbon is the well-known you have one you're going to be a lot better off if you, than people that don't it doesn't an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yeah, it the ribbon it doesn't actually give you a huge amount of defense, like physical defense. Like I said, its strength is the fact that you don't get hit with poison or instant death or uh, zombie slow or, or slow. Exactly, any of those or mute or silence or whatever they called it in that game. But I mean, some of them your healer will never be silent. Your healer's never getting silenced. Your black mage is never getting silenced. Your warrior will always have skills. Your archer or ranged character will always have charge attacks. Mm -hmm. That's worth losing 10 or 15 points of defense, even at high levels. It's totally worth it. Yeah, I, I mean, status, it's frequently a thing where status effects are kind of a yes or no. It like either doesn't, uh, it doesn't happen or it shuts you down completely. In certain cases, yeah, especially if you get like bad breath from a Malboro where it gives you, you know, half a dozen status effects. I think Genova Synthesis had something similar where it would just hit you with a ton of stuff. Maybe I'm misremembering, but... Honestly, if I get hit with bad breath, if one of my party members does and one other person doesn't, I'm like, nah, kill him. <laughs> Phoenix Downs are faster. <laughs> it's just, it's so bad. It's so yeah, bad. It was, that was, I remember that being a, a pretty tough fight, but that's not the end of it. God, no. Multi-part boss fight. This is Birth of a God. Hilariously, I was just looking through the AI stuff. 
Uh, this boss, for instance, will have more hit points if you use Knights of the Round on Genova Synthesis. Like, oh, using really? Knights of the Round on all those bosses is like, okay, we're gonna make the next ones tougher, you fucker. That's awesome. I'm okay with that, actually. Like, hey, you use the cheat button. Guess what? It doesn't work next time. Yep. This is this is the theme that plays during the battle with Bizarro Sephiroth. Yeah, because Genova, of course, uh, was this calamity for skies, this thing that was injected in, and that Sephiroth seems as like the proof that. First, that he is uh, has the legacy of the ancients, and then, as more has learned about the nature of Genova, realizes that, that no, the ancients and this planet are his enemy. And there's a lot of questions out. He has, of course, been injected with Genova. Is Genova enacting its will through him? Has he subverted it and taken control of it because he's just that powerful? Is there a weird kind of integration between the two? The nature of the connection between the two is left good and ambiguous, but Sephiroth definitely does see himself as like this ascension of a god. Tune in next time on Sephiroth Z. <laughs> I mean, this is a good battle theme. It's got a lot of the the hit the feeling of a lot of the good Final Fantasy boss fights, and I feel like there are some elements mixed in from some of the other uh, boss music we've had throughout this. I mean, this is a damn good one, but this is a fight that also this is another one where you break into teams and you are jumping back and forth between the teams. It, since this huge monstrosity uh, has several different parts that not oh, every yeah. party can access. Uh, in fact, the number of parts that you have to fight depends on your performance in the previous battles, I believe. And so maybe that, okay, you're offered the opportunity to switch to another party that disables one of its arms and so lowers the defenses. It's a big multi-part thing that's supposed to have a lot of moving parts to it. It was definitely a lot to think about if this was your first Final Fantasy game or your first RPG in general. I mean... Not many ba boss fights went that way. So, I mean, it was interesting that you had to really strategize not only who you sent to each area, but how you how you were um, taking everything on at that point. Yeah, and you build a couple cohesive parties out of what you've got. If you played six, there was something similar when, as you climbed Kefka's tower, but yep. It, it wasn't like a, a, a huge assault on one boss that you're fighting and you're switching back and forth between the parties. I would compare it to the final fight against Kefka in that you have, you're given your entire roster and you're supposed to, like they're trying to achieve this feeling of the entire group is coming together. It's like, this is the final fight. Why are three of us going ahead while everyone else just stands back? No, everyone get in there. Yeah. And they're trying to replicate some amount of that within the game's engine. But wait, it's not done. That wasn't my final form. This is the song that people think of when they think of Final Fantasy VII. 
it's honestly, if you say Final Fantasy VII soundtrack, it's this and Bomb Ignition. Yes. <laughs> Everything else is just bonus. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It, there's so much good in this uh, soundtrack, but this is Uematsu's uh, pinnacle of the, of the soundtrack. It is still very well known. It is very iconic. Whenever it's played at like distant worlds, uh, he actually, uh, at least in Seattle, he actually walked into the choir and sang it with them. Like the fact that you see the choir filing out. It's like when you see them getting up on the risers, you know this is a song that's coming. <laughs> it still gives me chills. This is the first song that actually had a chorus. The lyrics are kind of nonsense, but it's ominous Latin yeah. chanting, and that's Xbox, about Xbox, Bing Cherries, uh... <laughs> Xbox, Bing Cherries, Peter Pan, Ham and Cheese. Yeah. <sighs> now unhear that. Hey, Sarah, you like etymology? I'm gonna ruin it for you. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I was gonna say, we're even now, by the way, from earlier. Just so you know. Uh, no, we're not. I've got a couple more in the tank. <laughs> oh. Oh. Good. <laughs> Fucking monster. Jesus. <laughs> I think so for anybody who has not heard One Winged Angel before as we continue talking over it, it is one of the most ominous, terrifying, reach for a weapon, I hope your inventory is sorted. Your shit is about to get rocked. Boss yeah. fight songs in video game history. Yeah, if you hear this song in the like video game, if you if you oh hear, god, <laughs> I was gonna say if you hear this song in the video game, yes, it's that. If you hear this song outside of it, it is just an amazing song. Full disclosure. Uh, when I'm dog-sitting Bowser, I will occasionally sing a version of this to him where most of the words are replaced with Bowser. Seems legit. Yeah, this is what you do when you have animals. You sing them nonsense songs where most of the words are replaced with their name. Bowser. Anyways. Yeah, I remember finding Cypheroth in Kingdom Hearts and the first time you walk in, you're like, Oh god, it's One-Winged Angel. Holy crap, that's really cool. Wait. I have Alice in Wonderland key, Mickey Mouse shoes, and Donald Duck next to me. I'm rude. <laughs> There's nothing good that's about to come out of this. And while you were thinking about that, a reaction po command popped up and you didn't notice it, and now you're dead. And now you are loading a save. You yeah. still have HP. It doesn't matter. Just load a save. It's going to be better. Also, all of those uh, full elixirs that you've been hanging on to for that moment that you're not sure when you need them, now, now. is when you need them. Right now. <laughs> oh, man, Literally the now. Each other. But wait, maybe there's something else coming after this. No, no the credit sequence. <laughs> Just freaking, no, stop it. <laughs> oh, come yeah, on, you know you were that guy. I mean, oh, I'm only at 78% HP. I don't care. The amount of time that turns go in this fight, hit the full elixir, it might not even go off. It's gonna be okay. 
Also, this song is uh, dancing mad levels of ridiculously long because final boss fight. No, I mean, it's also she has attacks like Supernova. It's only half as long. Who are pulling out Knights of the Round all the time? Yeah. Knights of the Round. Hit the button, go make a sandwich, take a nap, and come back, and the fight's still going. It's Especially a good time. if you use W Summon and Mime. But yes, he uh, his response to this is Supernova, which is a summon-like thing that has a me uh, um comet striking through that apparently like it must be a parallel universe because it goes said comet passes through all of our planets it even has a nameplate for each one as we see jupiter and then we see a giant hole open up in jupiter as this comet streaks through it going through planet by planet all the way to mars at which point it plunges into the sun which then starts expanding engulfing mercury and Venus, and then finally reaching this one and switching back to the battlefield where this huge wave of the sun comes just up to your party. And then you take half damage if you're in the back row because apparently you were standing back a little bit from the fucking corona of the sun. <laughs> because video games. Yes, yes. Oh my god, that's, that's such an apt description. I love it. I have thought about this a lot. Uh, but yeah, if you ever get a chance to go to Distant Worlds and you get to hear this live, it's life-changing. It's, yeah. It's so good. Your, your soul is at the bottom of your feet and it's sinking through the floor. It's also really fun to hear a room full of people 75% of which are video game people that showed up in hoodies and 25% of which are yearly members that showed up in a tuxedo on a Thursday night and are confused as hell as to what's going on. These days, less of them are confused. They're apparently kind of into it. Mm -hmm. And then like, yeah, but then half the room just like is screaming when it starts. And then like all the like quiet retirees are like, oh, everybody seems quite excited. What is about to occur? I mean, like death and murder is about to occur. Good luck. At this point, it's happened enough time that a lot of the retirees are like, oh my gosh, the young people are about to do their fun shenanigans again. This is going to be great. <laughs> they don't necessarily understand, but they get that it's going to be a great time. <sighs> if your concert hall is full, good job. It almost doesn't matter how you filled it. <laughs> Just an amazing opus. Yeah, those bells there, again, it's like some of those elements from, like, those breakdowns in Nibelheim, where we see Sephiroth slaying everything. Also, the super, like, for anybody who is not familiar with Sephiroth, somehow, and is listening to or watching our show, uh, the sword is long. Very, very long. And that was not an innuendo. <laughs> like, it's a massive weapon that literally cleaves everything in half. All right. <sighs> so, time. we get through that. We finally get. Thank God. <laughs> this is the ending theme called The Planet's Crisis. We've got ourselves some Aerith. I was going to say, for everybody that's been listening for the last couple weeks, you might recognize some of these uh, chord progressions. 
there's a lot going on in this. Yeah. Starts with this vision of Aerith being lost in and then violently snapping back to the real world. There's a lot going on when, with, with the whole live stream and, and Sephiroth and Genova yeah. being just like sundered and we still have a giant meteor. Because, yeah, at this point, uh, Cloud was about to plunge into the uh, live stream once again, but has been rescued by Tifa. The two share a tender moment, so we've got a bit of Tifa's theme here. Like, this is almost the opposite of an overture, where it's like, okay, we've got all these elements, and we're going to do a little bit of all those leap motifs as we have each of these bits resolve. I mean, there's a reason why it's eight minutes long. We may have to play the whole thing and have Sarah explain it all perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> and now we got High Wind. Or no. No, this that's is, the High Wind is... music. No, this because is... there is in fact a bit where the actual High Wind plunges into the depths of the crater to help them get out of there. As all the, the entire reason all of this is going on, of course, is that we found that Aerith, when she was praying to uh, at back at the end of Disc One, that she was able to successfully call the planet's ultimate protective power holy, but that Sephiroth has been keeping it back and restraining it this entire time. And that so, in order to unleash holy to let the planet save itself, we need to remove that blockage by destroying Sephiroth. Now, with Sephiroth gone, Holy begins to move. But this means you've got this huge upwelling of life stream coming up through this crater. And we're this in this crater. Good... Yeah, this is not a good place to be. No. So now we kind of have to hurry. Yeah, we get little bits of almost every song, it seems like. I think it is actually every song for this one. Most of the albums have uh, one track that's like this, but this one I think they actually did hit almost every single chord progression. We don't have Yuffie and Vincent, but that is in part because they are optional characters. True. I believe it's at this point that we switch to an overlook of calm, uh, calm the town, not calm the state of being. <laughs> yeah, because we're not calm yet. No. Yeah. Marlene, Barrett's daughter, has been taking refuge there while all this has been going on. And drawn to the window, she opens the shutters to see Meteor even closer in the sky. Yeah, the FMV for this is just amazing. Disc three was basically the Sephiroth fight and this ending. Yeah. Pretty much. A couple other things, but not really. Like, you could get oh, to the stores and like...
this the point where Holy's starting to shoot out of the crater? I don't think quite yet. We are very close to that. This seems like a very holy kind of music right now. This is just the planet. Uh, the meteor is getting closer and closer to the ground. Bits of Earth are actually like floating up to reach it. What is this bit? I'm trying to remember. Uh, this is back on the high when the characters are actually discussing what's going on. Mm. Like, there's actually a few little dialogue sequences where they're say, talking about what's happening. And this is the bit where those little tendrils of light start uh, emerging from the ground. Okay. It's the planet coming together and starting to... Uh... Uh, right, no, I remember. At first, Holy had surged out of the crater, uh, starts to envelop the meteor, but then it seems like it is actually starting to pull the meteor faster. Like, Holy is supposed to be this ultimate protective thing that the planet unleashes. And so it's like, has the planet decided to crash Meteor into it in order to wipe out the people? There's been a, a recurring question all along about what the actual danger to the planet is. Whether it's Meteor, the people on it? Yeah. And so there's a question of like, has the planet decided that no, Meteor is a thing it will use to eliminate the true danger. Mm. But then you have these tendrils of life stream uh, coming out, enveloping Holy and Meteor. Which is basically the memories of all of the people. Yep. There's some amount of question and discussion about if this is Aerith's will kind of influencing the entire thing. And at this point, the meteor has been slowed and stopped. Well, at this point, those tendrils have reached Holy and Meteor, are starting to envelop and wrap around the whole thing. It's becoming this brilliant conflagration of power and energy and who knows what. But it's kind of swelling up to this triumphant finish. and overwhelming light that just kind of blots out everything. And we do get this last vision of Aerith in it. Which leads to... the ending credits. Yep. At this point, there's still kind of a bit of a question of Okay, so what the fuck happened? Did it stop it? <laughs> You're like, okay, did it stop? Because, like, I'm done. I'm pushing buttons and nothing is happening. Wait, credits are rolling. Is there going to be more? Is there a new game plus? Is there a post-credits scene? Is there, was that a thing in 1997? Like... 
yay ambiguously weird ending thanks japanese media final fantasy 6 did have even like once it got to the bit where there were the credits there were still some scenes interspersed with it so it's like there's still the possibility for more here yeah seven's just like we're done it's over there's more things to see i mean there is that last scene But yeah, it only took us uh, four episodes, but uh, Final Fantasy VII. One of the most popular, one of the most well-known, one, one of, of the most requested re-releases that wasn't going to be re-released until something else sold more than it. Thank you, Realm Reborn, for making that happen. <laughs> um, yeah, this game is absolutely freaking huge. There's movies, there's a ton of spin-offs, there's tons of cosplay. When you say Final Fantasy to somebody that doesn't play video games, this is the one that they usually think of. Well, you mean it's the, the guy with the guy with spiky sword. hair and the big sword? Yep, yes. hair and the big sword. Every time. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is a perfectly good game from all of the pieces that puts it together to make it play. And soundtrack is amazing. Art's fantastic. Character design is unique. It's very, very fun to play through when you do know some of the history and backstory, when you do understand how the music is built. It's also fun to just pick up with absolutely zero context and throw yourself face first into it. It's going to be confusing as fuck. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Oh, There's dude, it's, most GRPGs are. There, and there are some elements that just haven't held up as well in terms of like modern expectations from RPGs. That's another problem is like, you know, you get to the newer players and you're like, yeah, play Final Fantasy V. And they're like, what the fuck is this? And you're like, okay, we'll play Final Fantasy VII. It might be a little bit more traditional. And they're like, I have to wait to push buttons. Like, I look, it looks so bad. It's like, okay, play the remake. And then they're like, okay, this was cool. But now what? And you're like, well, now you wait four more years to get another game, maybe. There's talk that the next one might be 2022 true they don't have to go like whole cloth like they did with um was yeah, it Aito slash 15 which took like nine years or something insane to make 10 years yeah i think some of the early work was in fact laying foundation stuff that would be used for all of them so they don't have to reinvent the wheel for every step of it well like when they made so much stuff for 13 they're like we made crystal tools and then they made a game and they went oh crap this is a worthless tool set and now they're like uh so it you know, there's two 13 spinoffs and World of Final Fantasy took forever and Agito took forever and 14 got completely redone from scratch. Like they, you know, they can spend a lot of time making framework, but if it works like the seven remake stuff does cool. If it doesn't work. Yep. Now we've got the Final Fantasy theme. The old G Final Fantasy theme. I mean, part of me feels like it's there just because it's obligatory and not because it necessarily adds anything, but, you know, whatever. Still love to hear it. Just like, yeah. the, just like the prelude. I want prelude. I want fun for day. I want this. That is like... And chocobos. <laughs> chocobos. Chocobos definitely showed up. Yeah, and, and all that stuff that, he, that Taz was saying is coming from a guy who doesn't care for this game all that much. <laughs> I don't like this game. However, I can dislike the crap out of something and definitely respect the work that goes into it, the dedication that people had making it and enjoying it. And I can definitely look at it and say, no, it's a good game. I have no freaking desire to play it. 
it's still a very, very good game. On the other and side I, of it, I just described most of what happens in that ending FMV in sequence, so... <laughs> um, it's... It's a game that is worth playing. Even as someone that actively dislikes this game, I've bought it like five or six times, and I've played through it a handful of times. Yeah, we're getting to that usual bit where it starts swelling towards the end, though I do believe there's a couple extra bits. Uh, if you look at the timestamps on where we are, I think we've got more time in it than makes sense from what we're hearing now, because there's a couple post-credit scenes. This was also them showing off, like, yeah, this was... Was it a launch title for the PS1, or was it really, really close to being one or something? Early I on. really were close. It wasn't a so launch like, title, you, though. You definitely want to push that hardware, and you want to show off pushing that hardware. So now that the next game that your production company makes, whether it's part of your branded you know, Final Fantasy or whatever your main brand is, if your production company's name is attached to another game, not only are we remembering this story, not only are we remembering this narrative, we're also remembering the memories, the music, the way that you were able to use this medium Actually, of look, video gaming okay. so well. PS1 was released in December of 1994. Final Fantasy VII came out in 1997. Oh, that's true. Was it that long after? Yeah. It felt closer. But, well, the thing is, okay, so we got uh, Final Fantasy VI in... That actually came out after the PS1. Yep. Oh. That last game after the next hardware releases mm -hmm. is always really, really good and, and really, really weird. And it's the yeah. fact that they went from Nintendo to Sony. That yeah. was a big switch. So I think, you know, there, there was that whole thing when Nintendo and Sony were actually working together to make the PlayStation. Yep. And I think Final Fantasy VII was, in the, was supposed to be made for that. Yeah. Correct. But, but then Nintendo, Nintendo decided they wanted to stick with cartridges. Yep. Nintendo so, was like, no, solid state memory. And everybody went, LOLOL, discs. And now Nintendo is sitting there going, hi, any questions? It's like, mm, okay. Solid oh. state did win. However, making solid state memory in 1994, 1995 was very different than making it now. Yeah. And the, but it was also a lot, yeah, a lot smaller. It was not rewritable and yeah it was very different it, it yeah. was in its infancy it was not a good thing at the time no it was roms read-only memory actually hang on i can what do you got for us here we go here we go physical representation this is a super famicom cartridge they came out in 1995, so same era, give or take a little bit. Yeah, Chrono Trigger was one of the other late releases of that point. Yep. <laughs> and that one has more features. Mm -hmm. So this has more stuff and is more advanced and uses two screens and has online connectivity and came out in like 2011, 2012. So that was still almost 10 years ago. This came out in 94, 95. Like, look at the size. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the, so they said, hey, we're going to go to Sony because discs and we and they went. All right. And now Sony has just had an absolute chokehold for so long. But all of their mobile smaller stuff was running around on Nintendo where we got things like uh, Crystal Chronicles. Mm -hmm. 
and we got things like my life as a king uh we got things like we, we got final fantasy 3 yeah like we got the, two the, and the three the which NA were four release. and six like once the tech actually caught up once the tech caught up it was a very different story but getting there saying it was a challenge is definitely an understatement yeah. Uh, but now we're like, cool, it's been on Sony for so long. Do we Kingdom Hearts it where you need nine consoles to play 13 games? Or do you have a scenario where you are a Sony player? This is a franchise you get to play. You are a Nintendo player. This is a franchise you get to play. Well, Neither one of those seems like a super great solution. But that's There's where it's a nice, that's... very fine line of demarcation known as the N generation and the S generation in Final Fantasy fandom. And take a wild guess where that line is. It is right in front of Final Fantasy 7. And you can see, I like 7, I like 10, I like 13, I like 15. And you're like, okay, that's a unique thing. Then you find all the older fans and we're going, I like 4 and I like 6 and I like 1. It's a really, really strange line of demarcation to see in a franchise that is so big, that is so versatile, where Final Fantasy 3 is nothing like Final Fantasy 14. And Final Fantasy 10 is nothing like Final Fantasy 5. Yeah, nobody yeah. says they like Type 0. And nobody likes Type 0. <laughs> type 0 is bad. But... I in it. I've been meaning to actually play through it. Watch a speed run. It's pretty fun. Like at the very least from the videos I've seen, I've said it before, but that is the one that teaches you why summons are scary and why everyone wants to yes. kill the summoners. Yeah. That's a side. Step one, kill a student. Step two, summon Shiva. Step three, win the game. That's type zero. I wish I was kidding. I, I, I'm more thinking of like the cutscenes with the summons where it's like, oh, OK, I see this can wipe out an entire battalion and facility. Nah, man, ice rollerblades. It's a good time. You should do it. <laughs> It is, it is honestly, like, I give it a lot of crap, but I did beat it twice, which is kind of huge for a game I don't like. Uh, but it is very, very well made. They, had, they definitely went and did something different and unique, which is what Seven was doing. They wanted to expand on how all the Magicite worked in 6, so they made Materia, which we're still using now in 14. 8 decided they wanted to create a junction system. Square Enix will always, always, always push a boundary to do something weird to see if it works before they will falter back to stay on the thing that they know works. They will always do the weird thing. Yeah, we've had license and, grids. We've had sphere grids. We've had um, advanced sphere grids, which are hell on carnet, by the way. So if you have one, I give yourself a migraine. I've got a good game for you. Um, but like, it's cool to watch a company regardless of if you throw a dart and hit 1991 1997 or 2021 and say they're willing to push the boundaries they're willing to make the music to make the art to make the game to pick the directors to pick the staff they're willing to listen to their fans and change fix move and shift things around so that the fans get a game they like which is why i'm excited to see what they come up with for final fantasy 16. Yep. Remember what they remember they released the platinum demo for 15 and people started dropping pre-orders? <laughs> they noticed real quick and they went, oh hey, you guys hate this. Cool. And they changed a lot of stuff in that game. I didn't mind they, it. I was okay with it. They experiment. Not everything's gonna yeah. land. And that's part of the reason why I'm super fine with saying yes, there's 94 games, and yes, only 10 of them are good. I don't care. 
84 failures is nothing. Like, that's nothing. Those numbers, but that might be a matter of individual taste. I dare you to play King's Knight. I don't even know that one. Yeah. Yeah. You go play King's Knight and come back to me. <laughs> play Legend 2 on the on the Game Boy and come back to me. Oh, we're some... talking about Square, not Final Fantasy specifically. Yeah, Square but as a whole has made some awesome. messy stuff. But then they've also Staying made Final things Fantasy. like Nier. They've made... Uh, Ooh, um... it was given a 3 out of 10 on IGN. <laughs> they just said, hey, Enix, why, why are we fighting, bro? And now we have Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy. And Kingdom Hearts. Mm. And Kingdom Hearts. And near. Near. And we have. Uh, we've got Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. We have so much. Are we. Okay. We did a Monster Hunter event in 14 not too long ago. What was that? Two years ago or something like that? It was in the midst of Stormblood. So a yeah. little in that, honestly. But yeah, well. we had. You know, we had a Monster Hunter event. We had Garo. We had a Tokusatsu horror series crossover in our MMO. We had Yokai Watch. We had Yokai Watch. How big does your company have to be to be able to say we're willing to take a multi-million dollar risk? With yeah, we're going to read every release they do. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, the entire original thing was forged in the, hey, we're risking the entire company because that's about what we've got at this point. That's Final Fantasy. It's kind of in their DNA. Yeah. I do want to read, read the liner notes that came with this as well. Th those are Absolutely. always interesting from uh, the, the, the mind of Uematsu. There's one thing in common with all the Final Fantasy games. None of them are complete. All of the games are results of staffs from around the world trying their 200% effort and ambition. Too much ideas are packed in, while the game becomes blurred and unfocused. New ideas are being incorporated, but only dry and arid works come out. I think that is what we need to focus on to improve right now. Still, as a staff of Square, I really don't think is a big problem in the long run. If I were to compare it with the plant... Final Fantasy will be a plant given premium nutrition, water, and light without the care of a gardener. The branches will just extend in their own way in any direction. A spring cleanup is necessary. The Final Fantasy series is nearing its spring cleanup. The flower might blossom in the next work, or maybe later. Though, we are confident that someday pre present you a complete work. Well, speaking about the incompleteness of Final Fantasy, the music in it is not an exception. Still, I have put out everything I have right now, so I began to see what I really need to work on in the new environment. Speaking of the, uh, the, the PlayStation, I think that, that it was the greatest harvest this time. Let me thank every staff, every Square member, my family and friends. I am also grateful to you fans from the bottom of my heart. Thank you very much. And that is from Nobuo Shoutouts. Shoutouts to Uematsu-san for creating music that we have been listening to for 30 years. And I thought that it was just very perfect to read that with our discussion. Some of that, it <laughs> sounds like shame throwing, but I don't, it, it isn't. It just kind of, it's seems, not. It's like, no, it's like saying, hey, it's this incomplete thing. It's kind of like the whole thing of like, if artists were immortal, they would never release a work again. 
there's like always that feeling of it's not quite complete. I can make it a little better. I want to tinker with it a bit more. It's never done. You just stop working on it. Yeah. And that's true of every artwork, whether it's written, musical, painted, yeah. I mean, mixed medium. In that era of video games, I mean, you had to stop at some point. I mean, you could not just continue to work on a game. Nowadays, you can continue to send out patches and things to improve the gameplay, to, to change something, to add on additional things. When these were all coming out, the disc you got was the game you played. There was no patch day. There was no you know fix for it. This was the game. I mean, and even then, at, at some point today, you do still have to stop working on it because you need to work on the next thing or else you're going to run out of money. Or you just decide that it's good enough. And then you, because and you hit certain points in even now, like, okay, cool. I would love to sharpen up, you know, this game to make sure that my copy of Final Fantasy VI has magic defense that actually does something. Guess okay. what? It doesn't. I think it's magic defense or magic evasion in the original game literally doesn't do anything. There's like uh, four I, stats in FF1 evasion. that don't do anything. It, I believe it's magic. Ev it's evasion, one yeah. of the evasions because the other type, if you max it out, lets you evade pretty much everything. Yeah, like there's just stuff that's broken that we would love to patch. The problem is, is that we go back and we play the patched version, the enhanced vanilla, as it were. And we go back and we're so used to things working in their broken form that when we play it correctly it doesn't seem right it's too perfect it has to be a little bit wrong so that we can actually understand it it's yeah. such a weird art is so subjective and weird oh <sighs> that's pretty crazy it's kind of like if it is too perfect it just ends up feeling sterile mm -hmm. yeah and like i Yes, I, I want my surgery table to be sterile. I would, you know, I want my hospital to be sterile. I, I would don't yeah. really care about my shop being sterile because there's going to be grease on everything anyway. Like one surgery should be effective and not necessarily artistic. True. <laughs> Very true. And on that weird twist of a bombshell. Yeah. Uh, we were going to have a lore segment because I, I thought it would be interesting to see what types of lore we could bring up with the, the world of Gaia in Final Fantasy VII. But I, mean, we've got, I can tell you briefly, because we can talk about it a bit more next time, there are a lot of invocations of uh, real-world mythology, of other things like that, which is something that we are uh, going to continue to see we see in a lot of the Final Fantasy series. Uh, one thing you're going to notice as we're talking about all of these different games, a lot of the references that come up, is you're going to see some stories come up again and again. Mm -hmm. And that's, that is, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, it's lazy. But it's like, no, this is a natural thing of storytelling. How often do you hear people talk about, oh, they're going to crucify me? When is the last time anyone got actually crucified i i think this is something that like as a regular thing is millennia old at this point this is like old roman empire type things but we keep using that term because we have a story we have a thing that is kind of baked into the culture about this one guy who got crucified and how it was this really horrible thing and had all these implications for it we see these things because the stories of uh, gods, of heroes, of stuff like that, these are the stories that come around time and again uh, that you can make this reference. It's kind of a trope in nice, easy form. 
So we are going to see a lot of these uh, tales recur. We are going to see a lot of these references made because it is a good way to carry this idea through, to explain, uh, to give, hey, here's this element of this character that we want to talk about. Uh, that said, you can still have a lot of places where you're going to riff on it, where you're going to have your own version of the tale. Uh, while looking at it, I was uh, at this uh, stuff for Final Fantasy VII. I was looking a bit about... Uh, Ode about Norse mythology, Ragnarok, talking a little bit about Thor, and there's a whole thing about a lot of people will think Thor's hammer, only Thor can carry it. That was a thing that came from Marvel Comics. Like, if you want to talk <laughs> a lot of the old tales, there is a very, very famous story about that depends on the fact that someone else could take Thor's hammer. And in fact, someone else did take it, and Thor wanted to get it back from said giants, and then Loki was like, hey, I have an idea, put on this wedding dress. That is an actual famous story about the retrieval of Mjolnir that involves uh, Loki and Odin going off together and having crazy adventures where Odin, where not, why do I keep saying Odin? Thor. Loki and I don't know. Thor going off together where uh, Thor is dressed up as a bride and Loki as his attendant. Crazy. So yeah, well, uh, reportedly, even in the story, Thor was not terribly happy with the whole thing. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we'll we'll get more into that maybe in in the next episode. Uh, yeah. We're gonna take a break from music for a little bit. We're gonna jump back into Final Fantasy fourteen. We did have a patch. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that, and then maybe a bunch of stuff happened in the patch. It was really cool. Mm -hmm. And most of it's been done by me. I haven't done the uh, um, the weapon fight yet, but. Oh my gosh, you should do the weapon fight. So uh, I've got two weeks. Give me a break. So we've got some Final Fantasy fourteen stuff. We've got some more Card of the Week stuff. Uh, Sarah's working on some Lorbarian stuff. I'm working on some prep table stuff. So we're going to kind of get back to some of those segments that we've uh, sort of abandoned over the last couple of weeks, months here. Um, one of the segments that we abandoned like five ever ago was people's uh, favorite memories of Final Fantasy. Uh, I found it in my notes from like ages ago and we only got a handful of responses for it. But if you have memories of mm. your favorite Final Fantasy moments, email us at podcast at Phoenix Down Radio. And we would definitely like to read those because we want to hear your guys' experiences. You know, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be that. Just email us. We'll we'll read it. Seriously. We like we'll, that we read stuff. almost everything. Yeah. Definitely. Will you even even if you hate us and and, and you realize that you you just want you just want to you know call us out for our bullshit? We'll read it. Are people hate watching us? Is that a thing? I don't. Which we uh, we're, maybe we're, we're I not, mean, we did read some hate mail for a while. That was fun. Well, there was the one person who hated Chili, but uh, and there was the guy that hated me too on YouTube. That oh yeah, that's right. But uh, fun. It is what it is. It I mean, we're not LBR, but. Uh, Nobody can be a limit breaker. On that bombshell. Good lord. And <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Yep. Why, why do we keep ending our episodes uh, uh, in uh, Top Gear and uh, uh, in that style now? Am, I, am, know, I, am I Clarkson? Are you, calling me, are you calling me a giant oaf? Not don't answer that. Orangutan. Who's don't. Captain Slow? Sarah, are you Captain Slow? I think Sarah's Captain, which makes you the hamster. I'm okay with that. And on Ooh. that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs>
Also, thank you, Eklos Retsam, uh, who just uh, linked a book uh, discussing North Smith's inspired Final Fantasy VII. There are quite a few in there, so I would definitely like to take a look at that book and see their take on the subject. All right. Thank you so yeah. much. Thanks, Shake. Yep, thank you very much, Master Shake. And on that, this oh will... Oh my god, I want Shakes. That will do it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, uh, please consider to like, subscribe, or follow us on an Apple podcast, Google Podcasts, uh, YouTube, or whatever your preferred podcatcher is. And if possible, leave us a rating or review. It does really help us know how you guys uh, uh, think of the show, and it helps other people find us as well. Let's let other people know what your thoughts are. Uh, if you really dig the show, you can consider subscribing here at twitch.tv slash phoenixstarradio where you get access to a whole bunch of subscriber-only emotes and badges. Um, and uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash phoenixstarradio and support us out there like our... Uh, um, uh, what is she? She is our... Benevolent, benevolent Overlord. overlord. <laughs> our Benevolent Overlord, Aurori Fenrir. Um, all the proceeds from those go towards growing the show, uh, cover hosting costs, buy cameras, upgrades for the stream, and allow us to do some fun stuff as well. So, uh, um, if you have a few extra bucks to spare, we would greatly appreciate that. But any kind of support, whether it's emails, likes, tweets, retweets, subscriptions, donations, all of that stuff is greatly appreciated. We just love interacting with you guys. If you have any questions um, that you want to send us, you can email us, podcast at phoenixtownradio.com. If you have any memories you want to share and, or just want to say hi and, uh, t- and talk about uh, what you like, hate, want to see change on the show, let us know. If you want to check out our backlog of podcasts, you can go out to our website at www.phoenixtownradio.com. And you can check out um, our Facebook group out at facebook.com slash phoenixtownradio. So... Who wants to start with some shout-outs? Sorry, last time. It's your turn, bud. Shout-out to everyone who's just kind of doing their best right now. Shit's complicated. I can't remember the last time I got, like, more than four hours of uninterrupted sleep. And I know that I am not alone in that. So everyone's struggling a little bit. We're doing our best. Shout-out to everyone who's just trying to get by. I see you. I hear you. I don't have anything helpful to say at this point, but you're not alone on this. And sometimes just that's enough. And sometimes it isn't, but what are you going to do? And if you want to... We power through. If you want to find you, how can they... So, of course, we do have the Phoenix Down Radio Discord, which I am generally keeping track of throughout the day. Uh, but you can also follow me on Twitter at FF14SAIR. That's F-F-X-I-V-S-E-Y-R-R, where I mostly post pictures of random interesting food or not as much of like cool things I find when working at the library, but still a little bit of that from time to time. More of that once we start to reopen a bit again. Which will be hopefully sometime in the not-so-distant future. Oh, good lord willing in the creek don't rise. Oh, God. Alleywitz uh, throwing out a petition to have Sarah make encouraging voice over ASMR. Ooh. That sounds like my jam. Like, almost as much as jam. That means you need to get up on the mic, though, Sarah. You need to make it just sound just right. Just right. This is Sarah coming at you from Phoenix Down ASMR. Now, 
let's find what we've got in this queue today. Oh, hey, it's more of my going on about jam. So Something what, like that? So they want to know. No, that's creepy. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel uncomfortable. We need, we, I, I guess. This is Sarah inserting his voice directly into your ears. Nope, nope, don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> don't like that oh, so sometimes the things that you, you think you want you don't want be careful what you ask for people <laughs> learning has occurred so where can you be found did you ever say it or no oh yes yeah, okay. uh, once again yeah, you can did. find me on twitter okay. I can't remember FF I got creeped out that's F-F-X-I-V-S-E-Y-R-R. <laughs> oh my god, people keep thinking they want things. Like, I can't unhear those they're do saying, oh my god. That's what they do, but that's going to be a thing. <sighs> we still love you guys, I hope you realize that. <laughs> no Tal- regrets. Talas? No regrets. Um... Uh, so I just wanted to shout out uh, a bunch of my friends, uh, Sarah and James and Kat and Sue, who came over today and helped Bannon and I make the shop actually usable. There is space and we can now work on a whole bunch of more stuff, which is super, super cool. So thank you guys very, very much for assisting and with staying to stay as good at the social distancing and masking as possible while we were all moving a lot of stuff around. Uh, so thank you guys very much for that. Uh, Sarah, I would like to shout you out specifically for dragging me kicking and screaming into watching a television show that I ended up absolutely falling in love with. Uh, so thank you for that. It was appreciated. It's the good place. I'm using references from it to help one of my line cooks who is studying philosophy this quarter for the very first time. Yeah, it's like, hey, it's a uh, show on a major network that teaches you about moral and ethical philosophy. And it's still pretty damn enjoyable. Teaches is a strong word, but if we go with all lowercase letters on it, it might be okay. But um, yeah, anyway, so thank you very much for that. That was a lot of fun. Um, You can find me basically nowhere because social media is a dumpster fire and I try to stay off of it. But if you really, really like me for whatever crazy reason, uh, I'm real name Marvelous. You can find me on Facebook. You can also find me at Marvelous Tofu on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, where I post more crap about my business than I do about my personal life. So get ready for car stuff. Honestly, that's probably the most reasonable use of social media at this point. Well, especially since it's uh, charity work. So Exactly, yeah. since it is nonprofit stuff. And oh my God, it's a lot of work. But it's also a lot of fun. And rewarding. Agreed. Because I've, I've always found that uh, the stuff that I do for uh, um, like Extra Life or whatever charities we're supporting... Like when we do we did the uh, the blitzball stuff, all of that mm-hmm. type of thing was the most rewarding things that that that, that we were able to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good on you for actually trying to you know make a career out of philanthropic work. I hope it works out well. I do too. I also know that I'm probably going to continue delivering pizza for a pretty sizable amount yeah. of time, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, everyone needs a side hustle. Like apparently. I said, look forward to the uh, upcoming uh, charity stream to try and help uh, Marvelous Motors get going in the future. So, uh, you know, t- follow our socials uh, at PHXDN Radio on Twitter. Follow me at PHXDN underscore K-L-A-U-S-S. Uh, we will post about these things on our uh, all the different social medias that you can find. 
And if you see something like that, please share it, retweet it, um, you know, let other people know about it so we can help, you know, make that uh, dream of uh, Talas is a reality and keep it going. Thanks, guys. And uh, I just want to shout out you two as well for just being uh, a couple of uh, crazy knuckleheads who sit down with me every other Saturday night and uh, BS about this amazing series that we love. Uh, it really does uh, help ground me a little bit, especially with the, the shit that's been going on in the world and in my personal life. You know, being able to just sit down for a couple hours and, uh, you know, just have fun, you know, honest to God, fun. It's nice. So thank you for that. Uh, shout out to everybody listening to us live here at twitch.tv slash Phoenix on radio. Uh, Allie, Pyro, uh, Shake. Uh, you guys have been having a lot of fun in chat. It's lovely to see. Um, <laughs> That's why I like doing the show live because we get the interaction with you guys. Um, shout out to everybody listening out on the podcast. Um, keep listening. Uh, we hope you guys are still enjoying the show. And uh, like I said, if you can, tell your friends. More, the more people we can get listening to it, uh, you know, the more the, the bigger we can get, the more cool stuff we can do. You know, we've been doing this for fi over five years now. God, how, can you believe that? Over five years. Amen. Special live event, Phoenix Down Radio gets vaccinated. Hey, that could happen. I'd do it. I, I would uh, like that. Though I don't think that they would allow us to because medical reasons. <laughs> but, uh... Anyway. Um, like I said, you can find me at phxdn underscore klauss out on uh, Twitter. Uh, maybe post there every once in a while. Most, a lot of it's going to be trying to follow some other philanthropic people like Mr. Beast. God damn it, he's amazing. Um, uh, Pol Bill Pulte has been doing a lot of Twitter philanthropy. Um, if you follow him, he's been giving just away tons of money to people in need. Um, it's just so nice to see people helping other people, and that's kind of making me feel better, especially with everything else that's go been going on. Yeah. So, for my co-host, Sarah Timono, for Tell Is Marvelous, I'm Klaus Nightbringer, wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of phoenixdownradio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is a copyright of Square Enix. Open to music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at youtube.com slash Guilty Gear Rocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by GuitarWanker90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at youtube.com slash guitarwanker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.